Hello everyone, welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. Music and fashion are intrinsically linked. While a person can listen to any music while wearing any clothing, music evokes imagery. That imagery can be aesthetics, specific musicians, a period fashion, and more. Punk music can evoke the image of punk fashion. The same goes for goth and visual K. While not all alternative styles come from a musical origin, the music people listen to greatly influences their external image and fashion choices. Today, Afro Shoujo, aka Mary Rowe, and Pinky will be talking with us about how their music combines with J fashion. But before we get into that, let's get into our news and updates for this month. As I said last month, I was about a week pre-top surgery, and now I am three weeks post-top surgery. Ah! (laughs) That's all I can say. Just, ah! (laughs) I can wear things again. I can wear things. And it's amazing. Wow, yeah. Like, give us an update on, like, how you're feeling wearing things now. So I got no titties. (laughs) That's my update. I got no titties. One of the first things that I did was once I got my drains out, because drains are a thing that you have to wear when you get double incision top surgery. One of the first things I did was chuck on a t-shirt that I hadn't worn in months because of dysphoria. And holy shit, it felt so fucking good. One of the things my partner said was, wow, look at that tube, because I'm just a tube now up top. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it was so good. It was so lovely. You're a perpetual tube top. Exactly. No, I'm so excited to be able to wear literally anything now, because I just feel so much more confident and things fit me better and they look good. It just feels so so much better. Um, It was really funny, actually. I was wearing one of my dresses yesterday from Holly Tea Time. That was one of the items that I wasn't feeling super great about, but it was really funny because it's very form-fitting up top, and it's made out of like a stretchy polyester spandexy type of fabric, and... (laughs) You can see, like, my scars underneath just because, like, there's a little bump where they are. So, like, you see, like, this little bump where my scars are and it's really funny to me. It's been really difficult not just, like, running outside topless in the freezing cold just because I can. Man, watch out summer swimsuit season. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm so excited. It's been really fun. I haven't done a whole lot of dress up because I haven't really had a whole lot of places to go and I haven't been feeling, I've been still a little tender and because of the band-aids over my grafts, it left my skin pretty raw. So I've still been going with mostly just cotton t-shirts so I don't irritate my skin. So I I haven't been able to do a whole lot, but just being able to like put on a form-fitting cotton t-shirt and liking what I see has been amazing. Absolutely amazing. But I'm very excited to be able to finally wear everything in my closet 
when I'm, like, not super tender and I'm not in pain someday, soon, hopefully within the next, like, two, three weeks. Yeah, it's gonna be, like, a really awesome journey just because it's just, like, you get each layer of, like, seeing yourself in a new way. So it's kind of cool that you can't do it all at once. Yeah, it's very much a process right now. I'm so excited for you. Like, you've definitely gone through unnoticeable transformation. Like, you look way more happier and confident in these photos. And yeah, I think people can feel that energy. (laughs) I feel it. I feel good. I feel really good. And speaking of journeys, uh, Hard Decora just had a recent release and... You told me about it briefly. You were like, I've been messing with Airbrush. And I thought it was going to be like 90s magical girl gradients in the background of like of transformation scenes. That's what I was expecting. And you went straight like 90s Venice Beach boardwalk street vendor type of stuff. I love it. Street art graffiti. Yeah, that's what I was like, kind of looking at. I went on like a Pinterest board, made a Pinterest board and was just like, okay, like I want like, one of those like you get the white tee, and then they're just sitting there doing the airbrush in front of you getting somebody's name or something. And then angel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except like, I didn't have any phrase that was like angel or baby girl. I guess that's like another (laughs) one. (laughs) Um, I was just like, I guess I think that's been taken already. So, you know, I'm going to go to my usual hard decor roots of like, you know what grinds my gears. (laughs) But I also want to be cute about it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's basically like fed up. And then it has like this like blue purple fire around it and then like stars with like sad and mad faces but like dripping paint and then i also thought had thought about this like hat idea the beanie that had tired embroidered on it and it's kind of like the same sort of i guess style but you can't make a embroidery airbrushy because <laughs> it's like a different material so it doesn't have that sort of like drippiness or anything to it but I tried to capture some of that vibe in the embroidery art and then I felt like since it has sort of like a similar sentiment I should like put those out together and then I made a pair of joggers which I call fire pants because they have fire. I think my favorite part, and this is just because it's me and I am me, I love the stars on the pockets and the hood of the sweater. That was what I thought you were going to go for more so, like that really blendy gradient background. And I'm glad that you did incorporate that in and again, put like your own hard decor twist on it. That's Yeah, yeah, that part was really fun. I thought I was going to do that for like the whole sleeves too, but then it felt like it kind of overpowered the center white design so it's just like I'll just do like the hood in the pocket and then do some other designs on the sleeves that leaves more white so then it'll seem more like balanced but I'm definitely thinking about like I want to do a black version of the shirt and possibly pants if that looks good Ooh, 
Would you just do like a color swap with the black and the white? Yeah, at least for like the hoodie part of it, instead of it being on a white background, I do it on a black background, but it's not like, I guess, super easy to do that with the artwork just because I have to leave some white in the background of some of the more gradient-y parts so that it'll stand out and not just look like, oh, there's some black in the background of it and it doesn't gradient right. So I definitely have to like do a little bit of tweaking, but yeah, I'm thinking like it could be a good design in black. Just have to make sure the artwork still translates well to that color background. But yeah, um, people seem to really like it and everything. I had to rush to put it out, I guess, because the samples only came in like a few days before um, Small Business Saturday. So I don't like to like put out things and I haven't even like, I guess, seen it in person myself. Also, I want to like take some pictures if I can. So like Simon and I, Simon being my husband, we went to this place called like Thatcher Woods that's in the area and there's like a bridge in the trail that like has a bunch of graffiti and stuff so we were just like yeah we could like go there and like take pictures in front of it which was way better than like I've had experiences trying to take pictures in front of like you know graffiti that's on streets and everything but then like people are walking past and it just felt like oh I'm I feel like I'm in the way and I need to take these pictures very fast whereas like the Thatcher Woods like not very many people are there and there's like all these walking trails and stuff so I'm just like they're trying to walk on the trail they're not trying to like walk by this like bridge so it was pretty cool taking the pictures over there and I definitely Like if I feel like I want a graffiti background again, I'd check around that spot again, just because like, I think it offers a lot of space and less disturbances. I'm glad you guys were able to get that out on time because I know how stressful it can be. Just like, oh God, we only have a few days. We gotta put it out real quick. Gotta hurry up. And it's anxiety inducing. Right, right. I had to like write down a list. I'm just like, okay, uh, write all the listings. Uh, um, make sure um, the shipping is, is displaying correctly. And then, you know, oh, there's gonna be a discount code. Okay, make sure I write that in there. And then I gotta make a post to at least say that I'm gonna do this. So yeah, it was kind of more of like a rush job, but something like, okay, I forgot to like mention this. I didn't even like talk to you guys about it in the quad chat, but Studio Moochie bought stuff on Small Business Saturday from me. And I was like, what? Oh my God, (laughs) yes. I saw a story on her Instagram that was just like, yeah, just bought some stuff from Heart Decora. And I was like, oh my God. And I was just like, oh, that's her husband's name. Oh my God, that's me. Oh. And so, yeah, so I'm just like freaking out about that. Hopefully everything when she gets it is like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> that is so exciting like yay yeah like um I think it was like her birthday and um she wanted to kind of like get some things from small businesses black owned and talk about them once she got it so hopefully yeah that goes really cool 
Yeah. So Fluffy Kawaii Joe, which you, the audience, might know from one of our previous episodes. I guess she wanted to make a page where people could find others to follow. It looks like it's mostly attracted the attention of others in the Lolita range, but I'm not sure exactly how much the demographic is. But from the pictures that I saw, it was like mostly Lolita participants. And you could be on there too. It doesn't matter about your style because when I was looking at the application to have your information listed on there, it doesn't yeah, matter about your style. You could be any style. I just think that like maybe most of her audience is Lolita right now. So that's why it looks really diverse. They also have like things if you want to find like LGBTQ or plus size, even stuff about like age too. So yeah, so lots of different cool filters. I want to filter the fuck out of this. Only give me the queers. (laughs) Right, exactly. And and for me, it's just like, well, I need the olds because I'm 29. The olds. Because there was like older and then there was like, I guess, younger, I suppose. I don't know. And it semi-skipped an age group because older was like 30 plus and then like younger didn't hit my age either. So I'm just like, well, I guess I'm 29. So gotta be the older if I'm filling this out. (laughs) Might as well put 30. Not gonna be getting any younger. It's an easy application to put in. I hope people, I guess, use it so that they can find other people to follow or become friends with. I think it's maybe an easy thing for if someone said like, oh, but I don't know any black Lolitas to follow. It's just like, well, try to use the filters to find someone different than you. In more general J fashion news, Angelic Pretty has released a perfume based off of their dress, Misty Sky. It is called Misty Sky Brilliant Daydream. It's a beautiful little bottle that I absolutely adore. It has a note breakdown of what it smells like. The top notes are leaf green, bergamot, and lang lang. The middle notes are tuberose, lily of the valley, freesia, and gardenia. And the last notes are white musk and amber. The big issue is that I believe this perfume is one only being sold at an event that they're having for their anniversary is what I believe and then the other issue is that getting things shipped over that are like perfumes or aerosols are really hard to do because they're hazardous so I've been seeing like small body goods companies like small owned body businesses being like i know how to make this i know what to do (laughs) get this dupe yes and like you know i don't understand why lolita inspired body products haven't been a thing yet because like there's so many body products that are inspired off of anime inspired from video games why haven't we done it based off of lolita yet there's a general like missing hole of like i guess home goods like we don't really make that much stuff in that area it's mostly like yeah we're gonna make clothes like that's the main part like that's a part of me that i i want to go into too because i was just like man we don't really have a lot of like 
sheets and cups. Yeah, I I find cups are easier to find because, you know, Lolita's use teacups. I personally am able to find a lot of like older mugs at like the dollar store or the thrift store that are pretty uh, fairy K pop K-able. I have seen some furniture items like I know Raichi Milan aka Melty Chocolate Moon makes like small shelving units and I know that Misty Dreaming has sold other products that could be like home goods. I do remember seeing a small shelving unit on their Depop once again like very tiny but I think for a lot of home goods stuff, it's made by hand by the individual just because it's so easy to like find a piece of furniture and then paint it. Like our friend Jesse Moonheart has painted so many pieces by herself. And also it's hard to ship that shit. Like, hell yeah, no. <laughs> that's true. That is so true. Like if somebody did that, it would have to be somebody like selling it locally somehow. I saw some really cool cat trees. I think it's like Holly Hollywood Kitty or something. They make some really funky ones that are like flowers, little houses for the cats and stuff. And they come in like cute colors. And then you could also get like a custom one made that's just like, I want kind of like the flowers thing, but I want like the, the stems to be this color and the flower petals to be that color and stuff like that. Yeah, I really hope to like get one of those at some point but yeah it's not like a main priority right now but it's on my list of like dream home decor things that will fit in with my aesthetic <laughs> i find a lot of home good items that like could be kawaii or like j fashion lifestyled but i just never thought of like body goods I know so many people are like into Lush products, into uh, Bath and Body Works, but why hasn't anyone done like Lolita specific? Because that could be easier to send out if you know know how to make bath bombs. Or... Yeah, exactly. I think it would be really funny to name them after synonyms for Lolita prints. Like, instead of sugary carnival, you have cavity jamboree. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Make them, like, parodies. <laughs> yeah, just, like, bath bombs that are, like, in that kind of vein and have those scent notes. Like, it could smell like candy and maybe, like, have some popcorn scents. Just funny shit like that. And then, like, for the artwork, <laughs> like, just kind of... Like, very obviously duping the print where it's, like, a very bad rendition, like, almost, like a parody. Like, you do it really poorly, and it's like, oh, I see what it's supposed to be. That's, that's funny. That's a funny one. But, like, a bath bomb or a lotion. Yeah, or, like, a bar soap or something like that. Yeah, like, there's never been a problem with doing that stuff for fandom, so I don't see why someone couldn't do it for fashion. Or even chapsticks Ooh, or, like, lip balms. Yes. Like, at anime conventions, I've, I've seen people do, like, lip balms. I've seen people do nail polishes. One of my favorite nail polishes was a tuxedo mask-inspired nail polish, and it was black with red, very subtle red sparkles in it, and it was so sexy. Man, I hope somebody's listening. There's going to be somebody listening that can do this. 
These are all very good ideas. And I thought it would be good to like bring up too, since we're talking about J fashion and music, using our different senses to experience our fashion. <laughs> Synesthesia. <laughs> Metamorphose coming in once again, snatching that AP crown bow. Um, and putting it on their own head. Yeah, Metamorphose is doing another plus-size release. I've been seeing the Royal Jacquard series being shared a lot. People are excited about that and hoping that other brands will follow suit and continue to like make all their like future releases available for this plus size. So they came out with the Royal Jacquard series. That's their most recent plus size. And then I think November 3rd, they did a plus plus size release. I guess it's called Bustle Dress. My dear friends, Bustle Dress in plus plus size will be available only at Official online shop. Yeah, I guess that's what it what it is called. Friendship with Angelic Pretty over. <laughs> now Metamorphose is my best friend. Yeah, what's this one called? This rabbit bear one. What are you? Yeah, like it says on their thing, like um, Metamorphose Official. My dear friend's bustle dress in plus plus size will be available. So I'm just thinking like, is that what you've called this? bustle dress <laughs> not like anything specific oh my oh i'm mad the bustle dress is called my dear friends they weren't saying hello my dear friends this is going to be available it's the dress my dear friends bustle dress oh we'll be, oh that oh is oh my god <laughs> Oh, that tripped that's me up. What it was okay. Oh man, I was like, "Where's the name for this dress? Why didn't they me name too. it anything fun?" I was like, <laughs> what is going on with this, my dear friends? Oh, that's wow. hilarious. Yeah, so the dresses that they had available were Royal Jacquard. The Ellie dress with cape is also available in plus sizes. The Rosalie dress is available in plus sizes. The Wizard dress is available in regular and plus size, but not plus plus size. My dear friends, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think those were the main four that released in plus sizes. And they still have them available, so if y'all are... Looking for those. They are still there. Go get them. And speaking of new things and new releases, we are officially live on our website. I'm so excited. We've been working on this for such a long time. Kamila put in so much work. Like, she really took the reins on this one and was just like, we're making it happen. We're going. <laughs> you did too. You t put up all the episodes. That was a bitch. <laughs> oh, man. That was just a lot of copying and pasting. Really? Yeah. It was no big deal, though. I, <laughs> Kamila was the one who, like, sat and was like, okay, we got to write stuff. And I was just like, uh, I don't know how to write things. I'm freaking. I just panicked. I panicked. <laughs> but it looks great. So... We now have a central hub to find all of our things, and I love it. It's amazing. It's so good. Before we get into what is on our new website, 
first thank you to all of the patrons who made this possible in subscribing to us and donating because it wouldn't have been possible without y'all. So just thank you from the bottom of our hearts because you guys are making a huge difference. Yep, our podcast can be an adult. Yes, we have a website, (laughs) a landing page that's not Facebook. Yeah. So some of the things that we have on there is obviously our episodes. Um, Every episode that we've ever made is on there. So the episodes on the website link to SoundCloud. However, there should be a page or a link on there that directs back to Spotify and iTunes as well, if that is your preferred source. We have different ways to support us. Patreon, and we did open a coffee recently. If you are unable to do monthly patron subscriptions, you can head on over and like just shoot us a little tip or something. That helps too. We're going to be having a resources page mostly just like our personal like recommendations of um stores and places of information to find out more about these different fashion styles that we talk about on our podcast and our event page is going to be you know obviously where we put events but the type of events we're basically going to be trying to do is panels we're seeing a lot of virtual events going on and since we were a little bit tied up doing other things, trying to get our website together, we haven't been involved as a podcast with them, but now we're going to make an effort to be more involved. Also, we're going to look way more professional having a website to link and you can just find out more about us and all of our episodes. So yeah, so we're going to feel like way more comfortable pitching that to different virtual events and eventually in-person events when and if they happen. (laughs) We also have a contact page and that allows folks to either invite us places. If you have a convention that you run and you want to invite us there as a guest, you can hit the invite us page. Or if you're like a local Chicago event and you want us to go somewhere, we have that as well. We have a collaboration and feedback section and an advertise with us section. So if you want to pay for an advertisement on our show, you can hit us up and we can talk about rates and what we can do for you and scripting and copy what your concept is. That's where you can head over for that. We have our about page, which is pretty self-explanatory. And lastly, we have our blog page. Now, this blog isn't just for me and Kamila. This is a place that we want to be open for more creators to be able to collaborate with us so we can host your blog post. If you want to collaborate with us on a blog post or if you have a story, something that you want to post about, you can head on over to our contact page and talk to us about guest blogging with us and we can post it on our blog page. Yeah, because I think doing little like mini written interviews would be really good. There's some people that reach out to us about topics that might not be 
good for a whole long episode, but might be great for a blog post, a blog interview. So if you have had an episode idea that you don't think could be suitable as like a long form audio episode, you can head on over to our collaboration page, send us an email, chat with us about what your idea is, and we can discuss and see what would fit it best. So we really want this to be a space for other people as well as ourselves. Yep, we also have a newsletter thing. You could subscribe to getting email updates from us. Don't worry, we don't have anything that's like, hey, every day or every week you're going to be getting some sort of email. I wouldn't be able to do that. (laughs) Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do that. We're only two people. The probably main thing would be if you wanted to get an email reminder of there being an episode and if we're being involved in any events. So if you want to go and visit our new website, it is ok-podcast.com, O-K-E-I-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. So thank you all so much for uh, checking out our website, for subscribing to our newsletter, for donating and supporting us. And speaking of supporting us, let's head over to our mid-roll commercial. Hey y'all, it's Hayden. It's Kamala. We've talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a Garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to the show. Woo! And welcome back. Today we are talking with Mary Rowe, aka Afro Shoujo, and Pinky. Mary, aka Afro Shoujo, is an Arkansas native sparking a worldwide movement. She combines her classically trained vocals into hip-hop, creating her own unique brand. Originally enchanted in childhood by magical girl animes, she took the Japanese term Maho Shoujo, magical girl, and customized it to represent black girl magic in its purest form. The world she's creating is a direct reflection of her inner journey. Her cheeky lyricism and diverse aesthetics have attracted a widespread following, bridging gaps between several cultures. Pinky was one of the first non-Japanese girls to become popular in the underground idol scene in Japan. After working as an idol for some time, she went in the opposite direction and started doing trap music in clubs across Tokyo. She also creates content on her Japanese YouTube channel where she's gained over 100,000 subscribers. Pinky creates her own style of music that comes across as cute but packs a punch. 
Her music spreads the message that just because a girl wants to enjoy cute things, she doesn't have to change her personality to fit into any mold. So let's hop right into the questions. How did both of you first get into J fashion? What was that thing that brought you in and you saw it and you were like, whoa, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, so actually how it happened was through music, which is funny. They, there used to be this app called 8Tracks. And it was like human-made playlists, you know, kind of like how Spotify does. I remember 8-Tracks. That was my shit. Yes. And it was because it was all human-made, it was extremely like, it like scooped into every like single part of the world, you know, every culture or whatever. So I got into like this kawaii playlist. No, I think it was like pastel goth or whatever. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) pastel goth kind of like, those aesthetics kind of like, I don't know, became my little boat that I floated in on. But yeah, it started with music, really, like getting into kawaii music, kawaii fashion. And then, you know, I've always, you know, known about Sailor Moon and love Sailor Moon. So it just kind of fished, fishtailed, dovetailed from there. <laughs> yeah, just obscure playlist from the internet. That's me. Eight Tracks was like the better form of Spotify. And yeah. I, I, I stopped going on there like years ago but oh I that was my shit I loved it so much still I saved like all my stuff from there and put it on like a YouTube playlist that's good you were smart I haven't even I've never even heard of this I know when was this like what year oh Ooh, man. this is like 2013 14 area yeah that's when I was using it oh okay I was in college I was graduating college yeah, I, I used it primarily in high school, um, and then it just kind of fizzled out. I was so yeah, sad. It did. It was sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just wasn't, like, in the age group where that was happening, but maybe older. I mean, yeah, maybe I just wasn't connected to that season. Maybe we just live under a rock, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How about you, Pinky? Well, mine was... A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, when I was like 10 years old, I saw... You guys know the show Puffy Amiumi, right? Yes! Yes! Yeah, so I was obsessed with Japanese stuff, so of course when Puffy Amiumi came out, I was like, oh my god. And so I started listening to their music, and I thought their fashion was super cool, because like, well, Afro Shoujo probably knows, Arkansas, the same in Missouri, there's like, not a lot of crazy fashion out here. Negative. right (laughs) so I saw their fashion and I was like oh my god they're so cool so with a little more research I found this amazing word Harajuku girls now when you say Harajuku girls was that specifically like the Gwen Stefani stuff actually no I don't remember a lot but my mom apparently remembers me hating Gwen Stefani and being like that's not Harajuku girls (laughs) but it was like I found that word and then I found it related to like fruits and stuff like that. So I guess more of decora fashion mm. and sometimes branching out to the Lolita and cosplay and stuff like that. Good for you because Harajuku Girls, the Gwen Stefani shit was oh like part of my discovery. Right. Everybody always <laughs> talked about it to me too. They're like, oh, I bet you like one of those Harajuku Girls. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not it. I think um, it might be important for me to mention that my first time, like, coming into contact with Harajuku as a word, as a concept, was through Nicki Minaj. 
Um, oh. And that was, yeah, like Nicki Minaj is like one of my first uh, inspirations as a female in rap. She was the first person I saw coming out with all these crazy color wigs. She had all these different personalities, all these different voices, broadly color outfits. And one of her personas was the Harajuku Barbie. So that was like what Pink Friday was based on, like that character. And yeah, so I think on my side of things, being a, you know, young country, you know, black girl, I wasn't I wasn't going to run into like an old fruits magazine in the thrift store or anything like that. But just hearing uh, Nicki Minaj uh, use it in, you know, her way <laughs> definitely kind of helped me bridge that that area. Yeah, I think like, when I was growing up, it was like TLC, Missy Elliott, mm-hmm. those sorts of pop stars. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, Nicki Minaj did it for an, like another like generation. So how would you describe your current J fashion style? Like, so you go from the beginning, you're just figuring things out. Maybe you're kind of more experimenting with the general Harajuku fashion or alternative fashion. And then like, so how would you describe your fashion now coming from there? I think I went back and forth. I went back and forth so many times. Like, I just feel like I recently started getting back into Gyaru again after, like, reuniting with Kumaila and Reina and all of our Gyaru friends. But I don't know. Whenever I was in middle school, I would say I dressed pretty Gyaru for a while. Then I got into the idol stuff and I started dressing more on that side, um, just really cutesy and stuff. Recently, I feel like I've really found my style or at least I think I do, it's always changing. But I have a thing for like early 2000s cyber aesthetics and anything like really pink and glittery. So I feel like my style is kind of like almost a Y2K Barbie doll, but mixed with Gyaru. Ah, I dig it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see the um, Y2K influences in your style too, definitely. Yeah, just a lot of the like glitter, like bedazzled everything, everything pink. Even though they say it's Y2K, I feel like it's more like a current trend, like with little inspirations picked up from that era, because I feel like actual Y2K fashion is like, I don't know, kind of tacky and ugly. So Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> I think 2020 redid it. Yeah, I feel like it's more like a kawaii baddie look almost is what people call Y2K now. It's definitely an updated version. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, when I guess people say like Y2K, they're just like a specific faction of right. Y2K faction of just like, okay, the Bratz Barbie doll. Right. Like yes. that's mm-hmm. Y2K fashion that we're all like feeling like, yeah, we love that. Yeah. And then you look <laughs> back, go back to Ashley Tisdale and look how she dressed in 2007. Yeah. Like, oh, oh my God. Right. Or those all jean looks, just like everything denim or like those those scarves the, the scarf on scarf on scarf with the tinsel yeah that was that was a time for sure i had one of those don't look at me <laughs> <laughs> remember capris that was oh, oh god please don't come back oh, messenger caps oh. <laughs> cargo pants <laughs> for me like you know, I grew up with uh, seven uh, sisters, so we did not have in any capacity the ability to like go get, like go buy anything that we that we actually wanted to wear. 
my mom taught us how to do, you know, thrifting, how to thrift really well. And this was like before like Thrift Shop by Macklemore was out and everyone was wearing, you know, <laughs> high-waisted shorts and, you know, floral blazers or whatever. But uh, actually going in and like learning how to find items that I could, you know, convert into something more, you know, cute or, you know, kawaii or things like that. Um, I actually have a whole like highlight on my Instagram about the evolution like of my style. I I caught like the punk like scene, like the very end of scene and like emo or whatever. Um, and I'm because I, I have like a deep love for metal and post-hardcore and all that kind of stuff that hit me really hard like the colored hair like the fake piercings like t-van t-shirts and the you know when you take the pictures from like the sky angle but it's just your face and your feet like it, i don't i don't know it's pretty the deep best in there. angle yeah you know you know <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to look like the the jolly green giant is looking down at me and about to crush yeah, me yeah. <laughs> for some reason that was so cool but yeah, so I wore a lot of like, you know, like I said, color hair, glasses. I like cut my hair off on the side. I thought it was all that. And then because I hit like the kawaii phase right when I started college, like at the very end of high school, getting into college. So it was, was kind of, I don't know, it developed just from taking what I already had and making it into something because I didn't have the, you know, the means to do it any other way. Now that I am an adult and I've been able to, you know, actually get things that I want and do things the way I want them, <laughs> I always feel like I'm cosplaying myself, you know, as like Afro Shoujo because that is me. So it's kind of, I guess Maho K, but like I'm the magical girl that I'm portraying. I would describe it that way too, yeah. <laughs> Just like magical aesthetics. <laughs> but I am the aesthetic, so Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just Cosplaying myself, that is me at this at this point in my fashion journey. Cool. <laughs> it's crazy to hear you talk about when you were like younger and you had to go thrifting because I feel like I experienced the same thing. Like I tried to do what I could to be a Harajuku girl or whatever, but now it's so easy for kids. Like 11 year olds 13 year olds they can just go on amazon and buy some kawaii like literally type in the word kawaii and get it for like five dollars from some you right. know or they can go on instagram and just tap it right there and you know if you got 25 bucks you've got the aesthetic and it's like okay it was mostly me like <laughs> i go to an anime convention and i was just like oh my mm -hmm. god there's a cat hat that's <laughs> the most amazing like <laughs> innovation <laughs> The jealousy of the younger kids, but I also feel so weird being jealous of what younger kids have. I like, I see it and I'm like, how dare you? How dare you Same. look good as a child? Right. Oh my goodness. How dare you achieve such an aesthetic level? You must go through the awful graphic t-shirt and blue jeans phase we all exactly. had. Yes. Oh, exactly. Oh my God. I was going through old photos today of me when I was like 10 because my mom's going through a bunch of photos. And I had this horrible Japanese flag bandana and I had it on in every single picture, dude. I'm, and I have peace signs. Oh my God. I was such a cringy kid. Like, ugh. So weave. So baby weave. My, my Pikachu backpack was my baby. I got the peace signs from Spice Girls. That's who like influenced me about that. And I had to do it in like every photo myself. I was looking at some old photos too. My dad sent some um, on Thanksgiving 
And my mom was just like, see, you've always been the little model. Like, look at your face. You're trying to, like, pose and, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, I, I don't know. I thought they were cute. I was just like, yeah, I had it. I had it back then. I, was, I didn't even know I did. I <laughs> And I think like going through all those different phases, like with our style is important because even now, like even though I'm overall, you know, people would describe my aesthetic as, you know, very magical girl, very feminist, et cetera, et cetera. Every day that I get up, I decide what my aesthetic is going to be for that day, you know, and I just try my best to, you know, fill in that aesthetic for that day. And that may come out darker. That may come out like more like Maury or more like a teacher going in for like our first day of class or something. (laughs) If I woke up and I was like, I need to look like a teacher today and I achieved that, then, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't make me, because I know some people are like super like, I can't go outside of my aesthetic, you know, like for me, I feel like as long as, I'm achieving whatever aesthetic I want that day, then it's all within my aesthetic. That's a nice way of like looking at it, not pigeonholing your holding yourself or making like you have to achieve some sort of standard every day of like OTT magical, OTT like decora or whatever. Like you just look like how you feel and that way it will always be true to yourself and you'll always be a lifestyler because you're always dressing like how you want to dress. I'm not gonna lie, I've been total like quarantine K the past couple of weeks. I've just yeah. been wearing sweatsuits, like Hello Kitty sweatsuits, bought like three of them on the internet. That's hilarious. I love that. Honestly, like loungewear that fits into what you like to wear, it, it makes a difference in your day to day. Like I never experienced loungewear up until the past year or so. And ugh, I can't get enough of it. Even it's just so comfy and I feel good about myself. So both of you briefly touched uh, on your careers in music, but I'd love to delve more into that. How did the both of you first get into music and where was that decision to start making your own? I actually started music. um, I got I want an iPod because I got a high score on a test at school. No, actually, no, I want I want a Kindle because I got a high score on a test at school. They like put your name in the pod and, you know, whatever, draw your name in assembly. But my friend right next to me got the iPod and he looked at he was like, man, I just got this for Christmas. And um, I was like, well, you want to switch, you know, because I I wanted the iPod. So we, we ended up switching and I went home and I immediately downloaded this app called Music Studio, which I know sounds super generic, but it's the same app that I've used ever since I was 12. It was like $15 at the time. I think, no, it was $20 at the time. I think now it's 15 that was the most I ever spent on anything in the app store. It was a real investment. <laughs> and I went in there and it and it was basically like all the standard digital audio workstation equipment, you know, is all there, you know, mixing and some mastering and EQs and effects, just everything. So I played around with that, just writing my own songs like as a diary, like as a journal from from about age 12 to like 20 and I the only people who would actually hear the songs would be people I was super close to so like my very first fans were like my cousin that I lived with or um, my, my sister or my very very best friends you know would would hear it and then I got to college and then I got in choir and like college choir is 
so different. Like everyone is in there. They're like grown. They know what they want. They know what they want to do. You know, everyone's like, oh, we're going to go over here. We're going to sing this and we're going to record it. And we're just going to put it on SoundCloud. We're just going to do whatever and just be open about our art. And I was like, whoa, y'all are bold. Um, (laughs) So it kind of like built up over time joining Poetry Club. I actually founded the Poetry Club on my campus. Um, was part of the founding members and just just slowly being surrounded by more and more people who were somehow sharing their art and not having anxiety attacks at the same time. And I just was just studying them, um, their ways. And then I think the final thing that really pushed me into the public eye was when I got in a relationship. I don't know. It's like when a teenager doesn't want to do anything unless their crush is watching. It's it's the same. It doesn't change, apparently, because <laughs> <laughs> my girl was like, oh, this is so good. I really like what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. We were, uh, had just gotten together and I was just like, wow, now I want to. Yeah, I want to write a song that, that, to tell everyone that I'm in love. The world oh. must know, you know, and so. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's really what kind of pushed me. And then I I tried to go as far as like the, like the way that I compose, I guess I could say. I tried to go the traditional route, like with the, okay, I'm going to link up with the sound recording majors on campus. We're going to go, we're going to set up studio time, we're going to record in there, we're going to do it and it's going to be great. Um, But that process was way too slow for me. Um, I, I did not like having to wait. You know, I didn't see what was wrong with what I already was making on my own. I spent 10 years damn near working within this interface and mastering it and went from there. And I, that's how I became a, you know, hip hop artist off of an iPhone. <laughs> As someone who was lucky enough to get a formal education about digital audio workspaces, the amount of resources that are available on phones now it floors me it is amazing (laughs) and i i'm just happy that those resources are available for everyone because it's so necessary and honestly yeah see i see you know like i think and i think it's really important that people see you know because and i've grown since then it's been about two to almost three years um and i've you know acquired some equipment and things like that and i'm you know i've invested in education and all that but for me nothing really hits like just getting in my app and just going to work you know but i also think it's important for me to maintain that skill because other people even in 2020 even in 2018 when i started people were jaws were still dropping when they heard you made this on a phone even today people are like that and i i wish that People weren't like that because first of all, it makes me have to second guess, you know, my journey because it's like, well, am I doing it the way I'm Oh, it seems less professional or something. Right, right. It does. It does. So I wish people would, you know, kind of get with the program that, you know, it's, it's not weird to do your music yourself and it's not weird to do it on a phone of, of all things. I think people just need to see that. And Adobe Audition can kiss my ass. I'm not spending 25 <laughs> bucks a month for this shit. It's, it's wild. It's ridiculous. It's, and yeah, if you're not like, and that was another thing. It rose out of necessity. I was a broke college student. So I just did not have the money for other people to do things for me. So I had to figure it out, you know, for music videos and stuff too. Just filming them and splive get the app just get the app <laughs> so you said afro chojo too i hate waiting on people like i realized that with the ep i just released i'm like why I, it's seven songs it should not take this long for seven songs to be mixed and mastered and so i'm kind of doing the same thing now where i'm just like i'm gonna learn how to mix and master myself because 
I just want to start popping out songs. Like, I'm so sick of waiting <laughs> on people. And then it's like they don't do it exactly how I like because I have a way I want it to sound right. and they don't get it. Yes, so. communicate and send it back. and Right. Who wants to communicate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess like... That sort of stuff could, like, happen in a studio if you guys were, like, all together and recording it, like, in front of each other and stuff. But it's, like, we don't have the luxury of doing that sort of stuff. I feel the same way about, like, taking product photos. I know there's other people who, like, send their um, products out to, like, someone else and then they'll take the photos, like, someone that's more of, like, a style person. And you have to, like, really work to find someone who's, like, dependable, going to take nice photos of your stuff and then give it back to you in time so that you can put out your items. And I was just like, well, good thing I'm the face of my own brand. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I can... Because we need these now. <laughs> we need these now. So <laughs> I like just been all about like breaking down the barriers to me putting out things this year. Because like ordering things even just ordering things and having having them like sent to my place first and trying to guess how many people will buy i'm just like i can't do that anymore that's what i was going through and i just mm-hmm. shined, signed up for like a on-demand drop shipping service now yeah me too yeah me too yeah because i was just like you know you're doing it i feel you like when you're trying to branch out and do and take on more things that you are actually capable of and not delegating things. And I'm kind of like on the opposite end of like learning where to delegate. You know, being independent works for a, a good amount of time. And then you get to a certain level when it's like, okay, I need a team, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can need like s- someone else to do this thing yeah, um, so then yeah. I can produce more. It's wild how necessary being a jack of all trades is nowadays like, being expected to know how to do everything, but also, like, sometimes you don't want to be able to do everything. Sometimes you just want to do, like, the one good thing that you're really good at. (laughs) It's rough out there when we're trying to make our own brands and just doing it all on our own. I feel like any artist probably understands this, but I feel like getting into making music was, like, a lifelong journey up until recently. I started out, like some of you guys know, I used to do idol stuff, like J-pop stuff. I did that in high school for a little while, and I really just, I loved performing so much, mostly on stage. I just loved performing, dancing, and singing on stage. I loved getting a crowd all hyped up, so it's just been something that I really loved to do for a long time, but uh, I had a lot of stuff happen, and I kind of gave up on the whole idol thing. I don't really like the whole virtual girlfriend culture, so I stopped all that. And there were too many rules, and it's like you have to put yourself in a box, but I still really loved music, so I moved back to Japan, and I started DJing, and obviously, like, DJing this EDM trap stuff was a lot different than singing anime songs, but I still had a good time. So I started DJing, and I still had that, like, oh, but I want to make my own music. I want to I want to express myself more. I love this performing and being able to hype up the crowd, but something's missing, and so I, like, 
I was talking to my DJ friends, trying to find like a producer maybe that we could make some songs together. And then I ended up having a Japanese acquaintance of mine. He's actually a rapper and he introduced me to Tight Beats, which I'm sure you're familiar with those Afro Shoujo. But yeah, they're just beats on YouTube. People upload their beats on YouTube. You can buy them. You can type in whatever artist you like and then type beat to get the kind of vibe that you want. And I kind of just learned that I could make my own music without having to learn how to produce, without having to hire a producer. So I guess my Japanese rapper friend kind of created a monster because I've just been writing songs like crazy since then. The copyright free music that's out there is amazing and some people may or may not know if you don't look at the very bottom of our description our uh, opening theme is copyright free music and i love it so much it's wonderful how did you two first get the idea to incorporate j fashion into your music because i think there's people who have their unique style and they make music but they don't necessarily talk about the stuff that they're wearing you know it's not a part of I guess their musical themes whereas you two have like brought it into you know some of your lyrics well Kamila I'm gonna have to stop you there because you must have never heard the amazing track Gucci Gang Gucci Gang Gucci Gang <laughs> Versace, 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 Versace. Right, that's another Versace, Versace. It's crazy because for me, I've always really loved, like, when I find that, found out what Vaporwave was, I was just amazed because I've always liked kind of cyber, internet kind of stuff. And I didn't really dress any type of crazy way back then whenever I found this and started making music. Like, actually, when I was DJing, I was kind of in a rut because... I've always loved cute stuff, but I didn't want, because I was living in Japan at the time, and I didn't want people to think like, oh, this is, this girl's just trying to be like a, a little idol, or I don't know, it's really hard like, to- Like seem like a tourist or something. Yeah, or just, I don't know, it's really hard, actually, it was harder for me to dress like I wanted to in Japan, because there are a lot of stereotypes there when it comes to certain fashions, so I really didn't want to be put in a box, and I guess- Part of me just wanted to like fit in with my DJ friends and stuff. And so I felt like I couldn't really express myself. But um, I could express myself through photos and music and my music videos and things like that. So I started like decorating my pictures with little vaporwave stickers. And then whenever I started doing music videos, I definitely started, started incorporating more vaporwave and cutesy aesthetics. And I feel like eventually I got to the point where those aesthetics that I was using online kind of came out in the way I wanted to dress. And I guess that's how I got to where I am now. I guess it's kind of weird because at first it was like my music was inspiring the way I dress. But now that I'm getting back into Gyaru, like... For example, my most recent EP, Prism in Pink, the cover art on that was inspired by a lot of old school Parapara para DVDs. So those were popular among Gyaru. And then also my song, Asakara no Bread. The cover of that was a parody of a lot of Hime Trance CDs, which were pretty big among Gyaru back in the day. So now it's kind of, I go back and forth by being inspired between fashion and music and whatnot. Being a femme in any industry, but especially the audio industry, is really difficult because it's a constant struggle of 
feeling like you have to prove yourself to people and prove yourself to the masculine dominance that's there. Like, I I know, coming from the other side of the audio industry that's, like, not music-related, just, like, uh, spoken word audio, there it's so male-dominated, and being femme, being queer, trying to, like, be myself and uh, make a career for myself, it, it's constantly at war. I always feel like I have to put up a facade when I go into interviews, and then once I get the job, I can show who I really am. It's like, well, I signed a contract. I'm here now. This is what you got. <laughs> you can't fire me now. <laughs> here to stay. Yeah, it's difficult to th- have that feeling of like, I need to be taken seriously and just like things that are, are inherently true about yourself don't fit that mold at all. And it's just like, oh, okay, do I decide to try to compensate for that in some sort of way or do I, or do I not? It's hard to find those areas where you are going to do that and you're not going to do that. I can see how it could be harder in Japan, too. It's also not your, like, native country, too. So it's even more another layer of judgment than, like, in America where it's, like, similar problems, but we're used to these problems. So we know how to navigate it a little bit easier. On the American side, it's hard because it's, like, with my music, I'm dealing with a lot of I don't know, male artists, like other male anime rappers or whatever. and Yeah, which are not even that good. Half of the time. <laughs> she said it. But it's like, are these people coming to me because they want to collab with me or just because they want something from me? And sometimes you find out, no, they didn't fuck with your music. They just like wanted to fuck or something. And it's like, yeah. oh, cool. Great. That makes me feel great about myself. It's rough. The world is rough. <laughs> How about you, Afro Shoujo? The way that it even like came together was that because originally my name was not Afro Shoujo. My name was Queen. If you listen to like some of my old stuff on um, SoundCloud, you'll always hear me say like a little queen somewhere in the in the song because that was the name that my dad gave me when I was really young. Like, you know, some dads call their kids princess or whatever. Um, but he he went straight to Queen with me, so um, I kind of took that I took that to heart. Um, yeah, so um, but yeah, Queen was my rap name, and it was, it was spelled Q U three three N. Um, oh, we love that. Leech yeah, speak. you know, had to be, you know, had to, and that kind of spoke to like kind of like the scene thing as well, because you know, scene kids always were spelling things yeah. with, yeah, you know. Okay, so and that fashion was more like you still very brightly colored, lots of stripes, paint splatters. You know, I was I've always been about just being very bright and just different. And but then by the time that I like came out. Um, I had Queen, I had Queen, and then I had Afro Shoujo, which actually came from a Snapchat post that I made. I was cute that day. I had like, I finally figured out how to do double buns. Like I had enough hair finally. Um, And I was wearing like this like uh, African print skirt and like a little crop top. And like, I was really into those really gold metallic tattoos. I was super into those when those came out. So I was just looking like a little warrior princess and and I just was like, Afro shoujo, like, that's what I look like right now. Uh, so then I had this dilemma. I was like, okay, I love Queen, you know, and I know I love where that comes from. I have hella history with that, you know, but, you know, Afro shoujo really um, 
represented like queen really represented who I was building in my own little world. And then Afro Shoujo was really like the messenger to come bring that out. So I felt like I needed like a different, but obviously that was the same time as being influenced by all this, you know, culture that I was getting introduced to. So now that, you know, that my name literally, you know, comes from, you know, the magical girl, you know, genre, I find it, you know, as the messenger for blurred culture, especially because, you know, when I was younger, if you were black and you like anime and shit, you was a nerd and there was nothing, there's nothing around it. You know what I'm saying? You were not popular. No, it'd be like automatically Oreo. Yes, like. yes, exactly. You went straight to Oreo status. You know, so I'm laughing to keep from crying. Yeah, but um, so, so around 2000, you know, 18 or whatever, I'm getting into college and it's like I suddenly look up and the tie, the, the cultural tie has turned to seeing hashtag black girls are kawaii now seeing you know megan the stallion damn near full cosplay so to see the shift i was hip to it i saw it and i was like okay we're gonna need music for this and i'm gonna be that music you know what i'm saying and specifically to represent people of color in this space that's what drives me to uh maintain a certain level of j fashion you know elements in everything I do now, you know, because I love it. It is, you know, who I am is how I express myself. Um, but I'm also always considering, you know, who I represent because I am the first time that many people, many black people, especially I'm the bridge between my black friends and this culture. I don't know if you saw like when I did a pass the wand challenge and I had like all these uh, quiet black girls in one video, a lot of people came to me and like, what? So what? So, I mean, did you guys like all like go out and buy like outfits or did y'all, you know, like, what was that? It's like, no, that's just what we look like. <laughs> like explaining to people, you you know, this is just the culture. That's what got it in there. And that's what's going to keep it, keep it in there. That's the aesthetic. And I don't know, maybe one day I won't, um, you know, identify as much uh, with J fashion. Maybe I'll evolve into something else. I don't think I will. Even if I did, then it would just be a different audience. But yeah, this is part of me though. So it's always going to be a part of what I do because it, it is me. It me. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely understand being that bridge showing like you could be black and like enjoy these different cultures without forsaking your own culture, you know, without it being like it's automatically means that you hate everything black. <laughs> you, know? you don't want to be black anymore. Right, you don't want to be like, black anymore. And I'm just like, like it's no. It's just the sailor collar like Right, exactly. Yeah. So, and also like with the um, when it comes to like dudes, I just say dudes in general to you know <laughs> symbolize creepy folk out there in the industry. Creepy folk. <laughs> creepy folk. That almost sounds like respectful. Like it's a race of <laughs> people, of people like, like you know like, the creepy folk. You, you know, know. <laughs> that's about folks Shout with, 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 with an X. You know, yeah. But um, <laughs> because for a long time I was. I wouldn't say I was anti-sexual when it came to my image, but there is there was a time when I put a lot of, and even now I put a lot of energy into how I present myself because as a female in rap, you know, in hip hop, especially being black, you're expected automatically to come out with your tits and your ass out and then talk about the same shit niggas talk about. And then there you go. 
or even at the birth of hip hop, they had to come out in the same clothes that men wore because they did not want that same type of attention. Um, you know, and so constantly having to operate from the perspective of like the male gaze, um, is, is kind of annoying. Uh, but here recently, since I partnered up with uh, parade underwear company, which I'm sure you've mm, seen, yeah, yeah. they, uh, really gave me a platform to display my body as the work of art that it is without feeling guilty or without feeling like I'm, I don't know, because in the J fashion community that we do have a lot of effort in dividing between, you know, sexualizing the culture and, and not, especially since BDSM has become so mainstream. I I, I was just really nervous. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be canceled because I wore a sailor collar and, you know, underwear, you know. But I think now, though, I mean, I might have, like, random dudes, like, comment on my ads or something to be like, yeah, ma, you look good, you know, or something like that. But <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, a question, but the most annoying correspondences I have with dudes is people who say that they're also professional artists, but then don't act like it. And I'm sure Pinky knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like all the little sleazies of the industry. And that's just like a blanket term for all the mumble, mumble boys. Mumble <laughs> <laughs> girl. A lot of <laughs> little sleazy. <laughs> they have so much confidence too. It's crazy. I'm like, damn. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> You you really think that you you're really calling yourself a professional musician, but you do business like a SoundCloud teenager. Like, <laughs> right. That's that's the stuff that I don't like, and I also don't like. I don't know. I'm, I'm not to say that I keep my distance, you know, because hood niggas like Afro Shoujo too. That's you know that's great. I appreciate it. But there are there's a certain division of rapper boys, especially around here, who seem to not take what I do seriously because they don't consider it hip hop enough. Um, and I'm sure Pinky um, has experienced this as well. I think that is the thing as a female that I feel like I really have to push more than my image, you know, is more of like right now I feel like the thing that I'm proving is that I am hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And That's crazy because your rapping is fucking amazing. Like I was listening to not Scars, what am I? Poppin'. Like the way you rap is Oh my god, you could run circles around half these fucking mumble rappers. I cannot believe that they would even try to talk down to you. Yeah, it's like, and it's not even like a talking down. It's like a, they come in like, oh yeah, we want, we we love this. I had a dude who, who just started a radio company in Little Rock. And he he came to me and was like, because I, I, you know, I always support local. So he came to me, he was like, hey, we were taking a listen to your stuff. We like this song, we like this song. We want to get you on the radio. We want to do this, this, and that, and this. Okay, cool. And then disappeared later on. But then another dude from the same area made his way on there, you know. But what I'm um, learning is that it, out, of, out of every, like, five people in my local, like, area who want to work with me, like, one of them wants to work with me. And then there are four people around them that are saying, no, 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 we don't like it. Either they don't like how I'm singing or they don't like how it's mixed because, you know, they want it to sound like it's made in a professional studio and it... And it was not, it was made on my phone, get over it, you know? And instead of saying, oh, well, we'll help you. We'll find somebody to help you and we'll clean it up. We'll polish it up and blah, blah. They don't do that. They just ghost you. I know that it's intimidation. I know that's what it is in real life. I, If you actually know, knew anything about the history of hip hop and what it's made of, it's made of people doing shit that other people didn't do. Like Run DMC working with a rock band, like yeah. in the 80s. 
Or even just like rapping over disco rep records. You know, like all of hip hop is people taking their experience and, you know, using it as a lens for something new. So is there anything specific within J Fashion that helps y'all to jumpstart your creative process? Pinky, you've talked about Gyaru, and Mary, you've talked about uh, Mahoke. Is there like anything about both of those that you either look at or you keep in mind that really sticks out to you when creating your music and you're like, oh, this just brings this other image into my head and I can like, oh, I know what I'm going to make for this next lyric. So like looking at J fashion, most of it, like the kinds that, you know, we normally see are very like over the top, you know, very alternative. Like Decora is Decora because it's all these little things all put together. But for me, my style is a little more minimalistic <laughs> and this is actually have been has been a source of insecurity for me in recent time because thinking about like okay I represent J fashion and yet like my outfits you know I don't look like Kamila you know and I don't put on like <laughs> and you know <laughs> well I think it's different styles well yeah, well, yeah but you know <laughs> the, the theme of just like I don't like pile on a whole bunch of shit is what I'm trying mm, to say you know um yeah and so that was kind of made me feel like, you know, well, am I like kawaii enough? That goes into the music as well. It's like, okay, is the music really representing? Because when you come out and you say that you are the pioneer of magical operatic hip hop, people automatically put a microscope on you and they try to check through all the things. Okay, this is what I think of when I think opera, when I think of that. Or I saw a hip opera on MTV six years ago, so you're not the pioneer. You know, things like that. I try to put myself under the microscope before other people can. But what I've learned is that there isn't really one thing that, you know, really makes makes me do what I do musically. It's just more of a general, like I've had to, I've had to train myself out of that. I think, I think is what I'm trying to say. Like, because if I, if I like go in and like try to pick it apart and see like what corresponds with what, then I'll run myself crazy uh, and doubt myself. <laughs> so it's like how you go about with choosing what you're going to be wearing that day. It's the same with like your music. You're just like, okay, it's very much like diary. What, yeah, whatever I'm trying to like when I go, I'm, I'm very project oriented. So for the, for example, the, the EP that's coming out in a couple weeks it's like a little collection of emotions from me going through changes in my relationship and the one before that going through changes and dealing with, you know, my teenage angst. It's always like a little portal into just a little chunk of my development as a person. You know, like Pinky has like all her art is like super comprehensive and like flowing and like it all it all looks, you know, essentially the same and really, you know. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's very cohesive. And I think that's really um beautiful um and i admire that putting everything in pink just helps the pinky <laughs> part just really puts it together you know yeah <laughs> it's a simple decision now <laughs> right right so i have to um my stuff isn't like that to where you know one album cover you know is could be animated or drawn where another one could be a, a old ass picture of me that i found from the time period that it's representing like scared of my shadow was so like i just kind of have to go with the flow but somehow it all it all lines up because it's on me 
<laughs> yeah, I totally understand that pressure to feeling like maybe I'm not J fashion or like kawaii enough. I was looking at a picture of Mahao Prince. They have been like a really huge inspiration when I was like first getting into J fashion. I think a lot of their pictures came up on Tumblr. And so it's just like, oh, wow, like maybe I want to like dress like this. And like I really liked how over the top they were, but I'm nowhere near as over the top as they are, even still like being like years into it and stuff. And I just, instead of like beating myself up about it, I'm kind of more like, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is where my OTT stops for right now. You know, I, (laughs) I put on 20 accessories and not like 50 and that's okay for right now. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. And, you know, and I like to mix up a lot of styles and be like, oh, I'm dressing in Garu. And then even within Garu, I'm not all like, oh, I'm Amikaji. I thought it was just going to be Amikaji all the time. And then <laughs> it's like I'm getting to like the other subgroups of like surprisingly Raku or and just other things. And I'm just like giving myself space to explore without comparison to how someone else does it. I know you deal with that too, Pinky, like judgment from the Gaudu community. Oh yeah, so many comments. She's not gal. What the f- it's like it's crazy. Which okay, maybe a year ago I wasn't totally gal, but I feel like any J fashion like what you were saying, you just take parts of it that you like. Like it's it's not about replicating what somebody else has already made. Like I feel like when you do that, you're just basically cosplaying that fashion. And I feel like when you put things that you like in it. Like for me, when I put that Y2K style and Barbie type things with my gyaru, it becomes my fashion. It's not just, this is a fashion that I'm cosplaying. A lot of people talk about the gyaru lifestyle or whatever, but for me, what makes me feel more gal too would be like wearing nails all the time or even the way I talk Japanese. Even when I didn't dress super gal, my Japanese, the way I talk was still considered pretty gyaru. For some people, they don't speak Japanese. Just because I speak Japanese in a gyaru way, I wouldn't say you need to speak Japanese like a gal to be gyaru at all. But for me, it makes me feel gyaru just because it's, it's my thing. So yeah, I think it just really depends on the person and it's not like we're just trying to replicate somebody else. It's really hard when you're trying to like create your brand and be a public figure while also trying to represent a community and being yourself and always making sure that like, oh, I I, I feel like I have to be like on 100%, 100% of the time. Like you can't have like just like low key days. Like I know for me, especially those low key days, I'll look at those cord uh, coordinate pictures and I'm like, well, is this really fairy K? Is this really pop K? I don't have enough layers on for it to be fairy K. It's not fluffy enough to be Yume Kawaii. Can I tag this as fairy K or J fashion? <laughs> like, do I have that right? It's tough, but I, I think it's super important to just really shed those self-imposed and culturally imposed standards because one, it'll prevent styles from developing. And like, I I am all for like having certain rules and styles, but styles are still able to develop within those like, quote unquote, rules or guidelines. But it's just so stifling for our own personal selves. It's 
have to keep those in mind all the time and constantly second guessing yourself, it's not healthy. It's just no, it is no good. Yeah, definitely. I just came out with these like fed up like hoodies or whatever. And I had like the joggers on and then like a beanie cap. And then I also put on my like oversized varsity jacket thing. And I was looking at the pictures today and I was just like, you know, I tag this as Decora, but I look like I sell loose lollipops on the corner and I drink my lychee beer out of a paper bag. You know what? That's an aesthetic in itself, Kamila. Isn't that not hard decor? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I'm like colorful grudge. I don't know what I'm doing. So... So it doesn't really have like, I'm just like, this doesn't really fit neatly in there. Like the only thing that's like the decora aspect, I guess, is the colorfulness and the fact that I put on a lot of hair clips. But other than that, I'm just like, that that wouldn't be the picture I would search for in the on the Google about like, what is decora? Is it this? I'm like, no. <laughs> is it this butterfly? butterfly? Right, exactly. Is this decora? <laughs> and along with that, I think it's really important to recognize that there's going to be differences between one individual's personal version of uh, fashion and what the collective equation of every fashion person who identifies under a fashion subculture. Like, we are all individuals and we take into account our personal likings and dislikes and we make it into our own. And I don't think there's any reason to judge a person for how they interpret a style as long as it's, like, still pretty, like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is is decora. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can, yeah, if you can just throw a yeah on it, why not? <laughs> just like add an ish to your tag. Yeah. <laughs> well, being back inside a lot has brought me back to things I loved as a kid. And like when I was first getting into J fashion, actually on my Twitch, I've been doing like a hostess club, Kyabakuras type stream. Yeah, I've been watching those. That's not really <laughs> my music, but I guess the whole Kyabakura thing, like, it got me back into wanting to know how to do that crazy kyabakura style hair and then gave me the inspiration to start the stream. Another thing, like I said, I've been buying a lot of like sweatsuits, like cute sweatsuits, and it kind of reminded me of this aesthetic. Like, I don't think they're really around much anymore, but like maybe back in 2010, maybe outside of Tokyo, like more the countryside of Japan, but these gals would wear like these sweatsuits and wear these crocs. Their hair would be all the way down or like they would have their bangs pinned up with no makeup. So I was playing my Yakuza game on my Twitch stream and there's this place called Don Quixote in there. It's basically like Japanese Walmart. And the girls in the sweatsuits and the crocs, I feel like are kind of correlated with Donkey. Like they'll go to Donkey and hang out in the middle of the night, kind of like we do in, I don't know about Arkansas, but I feel like it's a very Missouri thing to just like go to Walmart in the middle of the night with your friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very definitely. country type thing. Yeah. But um, it actually inspired me to write a song called Donkey, like Don Quixote, about being around somebody who you feel no pressure around, you just feel like you can wear sweatpants, no makeup. Like, so it's not about Don Quixote, but it was kind of like the inspiration for the song. I've been having a lot of 
that kind of inspiration lately. Thank you. I like. Yeah, I think it's really cool when there's stuff that influences your artwork that's not even like, okay, you're influenced by Garu, and then you made a song about being Garu. I think it's cool when it's like, oh, but then it reminded me of something else, and then it reminded me of something else, and then it got to, I made this song that was kind of about something that touches gal culture, but isn't necessarily about it. Yeah, that's definitely something I try to do because... I try to make it so even if you're not into J fashion or whatever, you can still hear the song and be like, oh, this is catchy. This is a good song. So I like mixing these Japanese subcultures and this Japanese, not underground, but the stuff that you don't really know about from just watching anime. And I like taking my experience in Japan and mixing it with a more Western type of music. So I kind of like spreading the Japanese culture almost. Yeah, through the... Because hip hop is the youngest genre mm-hmm. and it's the most it's sure. the poppinist. Poppinist. Genre. <laughs> right, poppinist. Poppinist? Um, it, it, but it is, it is, it is. Hip hop culture is the world's cool and it has been for a, a long time. You know, obviously I, you know, do it because I'm black and it comes from black people, but because there are people who would see Pinky and be like, oh, well, I mean, she's, of course she's doing well. You know, she could just hop on some you know little trap rap beat and just do whatever of course everyone's gonna love her you know or whatever but because because even what she's saying like putting putting the japanese like elements mixing it in there in a way that even if you're not in in the culture you can see it but in a way that's tasteful too like it takes more than just hopping on a beat and just doing some shit you know because they're unpicky i'm sure with all those anime boys you know they're coming out now who are literally just piling buzzword on top of buzzword you know like talking about anime yeah i'm running like Naruto. right <laughs> like i'm fucking your bike like i'm gonna be a senpai girl like you know it's just right. like yeah. I, I hear another rapper come out and say and you senpai just just for fucking because like then everyone else kind of jumped on and then tried to do us do the same thing and it's just like okay you're talking about the same stuff watch some other anime and come back <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i definitely ooh, i definitely feel that yeah you're just not doing what's obvious and derivative you know you're really taking from your own experiences like both of you you're not just like trying to like ride this anime train and the you know the cutesy train yeah it's genuine right and i think that authenticity really does come through and i think it's very uh obvious that this is part of you it's not all of you but it's something that you do and it's what you love and you are a part of it i think too whenever you have a passion for something so like Afro Shoujo, you went to school and you studied poetry and everything. Like, it's been years. It's been a long journey for you. And I think you can really tell because you're going to have the endurance to keep doing this no matter what. And I feel the same way. Like, this is my passion. So I'm, I don't care about, like, just getting popular, getting clout and stuff like that. Like, I love making music. And if people want to listen to it, like, that's dope. And if I can perform one day again, that would be dope. But I think the people that just want to do it because it seems like an easy way to get popular, there's no passion there. So even if they maybe go viral or something, it's like it's going to show that it's not 
very deep, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but it's not like they've been doing this for a long time. They're, they're kind of like copying off of something else. So it's not like you can just continue copying for so long. You're eventually you're going to run out of ideas and have to steal somebody else's idea. But the people who really want it, it's like they're going to be in it for the long haul. You, you're, even if it's not anime rap in the future, even if it turns into something completely different, you're still doing what you're passionate about. All right. So what are the ways that your music influences your fashion choices? I personally think opera appeals to fantasy and magic, whereas like get wild, be sexy could be like a good metaphor for Pinky's sound. So, um, I mean, do you guys agree with that or is it like something totally different? (laughs) I think my music has made me feel okay to dress cute again because... Yeah, I think get wild, be sexy could be a good metaphor, but also like be cute and sexy and ready to kick someone's ass. Like, that's why I love gals so much because, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but in Japanese, like the way gals speak is very abrasive and like almost rude and like they curse a lot. And they started talking like that because back in the 90s when co-gals came out and girls started tanning and wearing loose socks, A lot of these companies started fetishizing them, and so these girls, high school girls, would be in Shibuya or something, and they'd get hit on by these creepy old men because people were starting to sexualize them. So these girls started talking like this to kind of get these guys to back off. And I think that's really awesome. And it's it's funny because that's actually why I started talking like that in Japanese too, because when I started my YouTube channel, I was like, I do not want people to just think I'm this cutesy girl like I don't want to be the idol anymore like I just want to show my personality as much as I can in Japanese and I feel like that was a way I did that but yeah and now it's come full circle and my music has made me feel like I can dress cute and talk like this. Since I found a way to express myself in my sound I feel like I can express the way that I dress too without conforming to a stereotype. And even like the sexy thing, for a long time, I was kind of scared to have any sexuality in my content. The way I dressed for a while too, I only wanted to wear baggy clothes, like way before I started dressing gal again. I just wanted to wear baggy clothes. If they were pastel, cool, but I just wanted baggy clothes, like dress like a boy. And I was really afraid to show any kind of sexuality because I I didn't want people to just think, oh, well you know, she shows her ass and that's why her music is popular or whatever. I don't know. I didn't want people to push that on me, I guess. But now I kind of realize, like, I look at Ariana Grande and she is super sexy and super cute, but it's not like her fan base. It's it's not like she's just appealing to men and not making music that she likes. Well, I don't know about that. Who knows what she likes? But the thing is, she has a lot of fans that are like younger girls too. And I feel like I should be able to express my sexuality if I want to and not be afraid about what other people think, whether that be creepy old men that are going to fetishize me either way because that's just what they do, or if girls are going to be like, oh, well, she's just popular because she did that. Well, guys say that too, but either way, I just I just want to be able to do what I want without worrying about other people's opinions. And I mean... Like you said, pervy old men, they're gonna fucking do what they want no matter what the fuck you do. They're gonna find ways to sexualize the people they want to sexualize, so you may as well be able to dress how you want. 
and make it very apparent that like, hey, don't do this to me unless like unless I want you to. It's not your business. Right. And it's like, even if I'm okay with being sexualized, it's like the women, we have to set the boundary to be like, okay, I'm sexy. I dress in sexy clothes, but that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want. You can admire a girl's beauty without having to be disgusting about it. The way that my music comes out is more of a, you know, because it's so tied to, you know, just my everyday like life experience. Um, it's really pop culture and like the other types of music that I listen to that influences me, that influences my style. Yeah, I listen to uh, a lot of Vocaloid. I have like, you know, huge Vocaloid posters and stuff all over my room. I'm really obsessed with, you know, as a classical musician and um, understanding, you know, how composition works and, you know, being trained in that area, you know, I really respect Vocaloid composers, you know, on a different level and, and what they do. And so, yeah, it's kind of like being obsessed with like Mozart, but it's a, you know, anime girl. <laughs> on big days, like if I have like a big voice lesson or if I have like a, you know, like a test or I have a lot to do that day, those are the days you're going to catch me in the most magical type of outfits, um, especially with the short skirts and things like that, because that's what you know, magical girls wear, you know, that is our uniform. So, and then, and even though all the Vocaloids don't look like that, they've all got an element to them where, you know, they show in, you know, that little bit of thigh, that little bit of belly, you know, that's just, that's just a part of the anime style because, you know, they always try to make sure they show some part of the human body more, you know, going further than just fan service, you know, they, they really do. I think that there's a, a part of the human body just seeing the the skin you know there even if it's fictional skin it just makes you appreciate the body more so do you think that your fan base is deep into j fashion or are you their gateway into a new interest i know pinky you mentioned that you do have an audience that is not into J fashion or they are just not J fashion enthusiasts. Have you heard of any stories of people going like, you're the reason why I got into Gadu or like, you're the reason I got into Mahoke? It's crazy because when I first started dressing like heavy Gadu again, I got a lot of people saying I wasn't really Gadu. So I guess that was kind of a, a weird insecurity of mine. But recently, actually, I've had a couple people be like, oh my god, I started dressing Gyaru because of you. And I'm like, because of me? I thought I wasn't Gao. Wait a second. <laughs> and then, like, on Spotify, too, I typed in Gyaru and, a like, two Gyaru playlists came up. And there were a bunch of my songs on there. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. TikTok, too. Like, well, I'm just talking about this. I'm just realizing, wow, I guess... I guess my music might be a gateway or people in the Gyaru community. Maybe they knew me from some gal fashion videos I did on YouTube or something. Maybe they got into my music from that. I'm not really sure, but um, like on TikTok and stuff, a couple of people have done a video to one of my songs called Gyaru Poses. So they'll like do a couple Gyaru Poses along with one of my songs. And I think that's really cool. I don't know how my song ended up being Gyaru, but I guess... I guess that's just how it is. And I think um, it's a little bit of a mix of both. I guess some people didn't know about it before. And then I also think a lot of people already in the Gyaru community are also coming into 
my music. I guess I should mention too, it's not just gals. I think a lot of people just in, into kawaii fashion in general. I think that's a big part of my fan base is just people who like cute stuff. So I guess it matches the music. My fan base, I would say I'm definitely a gateway for most of my fan base. Like I'll attract like different like practitioners of magic, you know, like on a daily scale, like the witches of the internet and the, the non-binary people and um, LGBTQ plus people are attracted to my brand. People with kids, you know, I attract a, a lot of different types of people. But so far, yeah, I would say the people that are already like dressing, you know, J fashion is, is pretty low. I'm, I think that I'm the first uh, instance, uh, up close anyway, that a lot of my fans actually get into. I'm actually working on becoming more known in the J fashion spaces. Like I know like Kamila, Kamila was the first person to like give me, um, you know, entree, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I came over to that convention, Akon, you got the the full seeing everybody in their outfits and like... And then and actually seeing the, the true potential that my music, you know, has to represent that, um, that has, that has really um, inspired me. Like I like I dream of the day when like everyone is like, oh, you know, duh, it's Afro Shoujo. That's who does that thing in that area, you know. But until then, you know, I'm just going to continue to, you know, rip represent. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think when conventions get back up again, reaching out to perform in like local conventions. I think the first time I had someone perform was like Anime St. Louis. That felt like a small enough convention to where like, and there wasn't so many brands showing that I could try to be like, hey, what if we did a little performance in the middle of the thing? Like, what do you think? I thought that was like really cool. We should do more of that. I don't know. And be like, yeah, there's like a J fashion music community. Yeah. You know, knowing who my demographic is, is really exciting because, you know, when I'm thinking about touring, you know, I'm not thinking about trying to, you know, get big stadiums or whatever in every city. I'm just, you know, following, you know, my plan is to just follow the cons, you know, and the same way that vendors go to cons and whatever and make their living. I feel like as a musician that represents this community, I should be able to do the same thing, especially in my local area, you know, and cons where they have concerts, but they, you know, they're flying people out from Japan and, you know, they, they always want this kind of outside, you know, authentic Japanese concert experience. But, um, why not open it up to the people that are that actually represent you, um, the Western experience as a lover of this culture? So, yeah, I think when yeah, when cons are a thing again, I'm definitely like on it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I totally think you would do really well. And that would be another way of like getting more like notoriety in the J fashion community, um, especially if you were able to perform during one of the fashion shows or something and people can have that little light bulb in their head that, oh, there's also music that can coincide with the the way that I like to dress or the the outfits that I like to look at at least I think that would be a really good good idea um me and Hayden like we want to like do more panels at conventions and stuff because I think J fashion podcast idea is kind of like oh I don't think most people think of that when they're like oh let me research about the fashion let me watch YouTube videos or something but I don't think many people 
search us out on this sort of platform of like podcasting and audio in general. Yeah, I I think because, you know, audio is audio, the general public doesn't think about the imagery and aesthetics behind it, even though they've been connected from the beginning, like pioneers of music have been pioneers of fashion. These things are inherently tied. I, I think just the concept of a fashion podcast, let alone an alternative fashion, J fashion podcast, like people just don't think of it because they think, oh, fashion is visual. You need to be able to see what you're talking about. So I think about magazines and videos and uh, pictures like that is all there is. If your styles ever change, do you think that that change in style will reflect in your music as well? I know, uh, Pinky, you already spoke briefly about how you didn't always do gyaru while doing music. Was there that change in um, the more J-pop idol aesthetic and going to gyaru? Was there that like very audible change in your music as well? I think that for me, Gyaru is like still about being cute, but a bad bitch. So I think that my music hasn't really changed since since I became Gyaru. I can't really tell you right now because I'm very inspired with my current surroundings and my music has been inspired by that as well. But who knows, maybe in the future I'll decide I want to start dressing in all black and be goth and make super sad music. Who knows? I actually have been kind of inspired by um, Japanese city pop recently, and so I did make a more disco city pop type track, which I never thought I would have done. Though I do feel sometimes there's that 70s feel to some like Gaudu outfits and, you know, like the Esperanza boots. That's very 70s. And right now we're very 90s. Right, which is very 70s. It's just like it just gets diluted. (laughs) Yeah, the 90s I feel like was very 70s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it could be like the change, if there is any change, there would be like gradual. So it won't be like a dramatic like I'm going from... You know, dressing in all pink to all black. You know, maybe you go into purples. Take it one step at a time. Right, still pink is involved, you know. Or, you know, it'll be gradual. It won't be so stark, maybe. It's funny, because whenever I was like 13, 14 or whatever, and I was still kind of into decora, I was like, well, by the time I'm 20... I'm going to dress very mature Hime gal, just like blacks and whites. And I'm like, okay, when is that time coming? It's still not here yet. That's funny. I, I think I predict I'm going to wear like free people clothing. Like I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to be a full on hippie Bohemian. by the time. <laughs> It's gonna be anthropology. anthropology. I'll still be colorful, but anthropology. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably not gonna stop wearing pink ever. I'm gonna be one of those old ladies with the crazy pink everything. Yeah, I'm literally like like Batty Winkle is literally <laughs> my future. Like mm-hmm. I'm 
if I don't look mm-hmm. like Daddy Winkle when I'm old, like something has happened to me and that's something wrong. Right. <laughs> Imagine our generation. Our generation of like young alt fashion kids is just gonna grow up and be like, I'm still myself, so I'm still gonna dress like this. Dude, we're gonna be the coolest old mm-hmm. people ever. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be really great. I can't wait for us to have this conversation again when we're like mm-hmm. 80. Time capsule. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, um, as far as like if my style changes, then I know it's not really an if it's it's really a when because I know that I'm going to evolve and I put my hands into too much stuff for me to just kind of like stay in one area like you know I'm already planning my funk album I'm already planning my my operatic album and and things like that so I know that those things will you know, it's just like what I say with my clothes, like whatever, you know, aesthetic or whatever intention that I'm trying to achieve, then that's what's going to come out. And I won't worry so much about it, you know, fitting into what I've done before because I've already done that. So, I mean, why, you know, worry about it? So I'm really excited for the future, actually. I think that whatever I do, it's going to be cute. So. Yeah. So why do you think it's important to incorporate your alternative fashion choices into your lyrics and your music communities because we were just talking about how the audio region of our J fashion culture is kind of overlooked and maybe that's a part of it or maybe it's something else. Yeah, I think it's important uh, because... I had to create the world that I wanted to live in. And so if if I if I had to do that, then I know that there are other people that feel the same way that like, okay, I don't hear something that really represents me specifically. So I know that if I continue to represent, you know, J fashion and things like that, not only will I be the bridge and introduce people, but there there are, you know, people already I'm not the I'm not the first, you know, kawaii black girl on the planet. You know, they are there are those who came before me and those will come after. And even if they don't necessarily like the, what my music is, I hope that they see like the brand and understand that, you know, that there is a place out here in the world, you know, for you. I even um, had a, the sweetest message come in from Brazil the other day. Um, this young lady uh, who found me and she just and she took it out of her time out of her day to record an audio message even though English is not her first language to tell me how beautiful she thought it was that I was pursuing my dream because she had so many black friends who struggled with getting into Kauai culture and and really feeling like they had a place it in she said that you know She's going to show me to all her friends because their inner child is just going to be screaming. I like shed tears when I heard that. It's that kind of energy that that keeps me going because, you know, if you're doing it on your own, you know, it's some days are better than others. Some weeks, some months are better than others. So just knowing that, you know, now that I'm adding all these other elements into my brand, like, okay, now we're we're tightening the finances up and we're tightening the paperwork up. And now we're, you know, we're going to start adding team. Or we're going to start adding automation and we're, we're doing all this thing all these things so it's I feel really blessed to um, have people uh, other people 
constantly reminding me of the core reason <laughs> as to why I do it, uh, which is just to represent because we just need it. Representation's important. That's, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's a really important reason and motivation behind incorporating it into into your music. That was the whole thing behind this podcast. I was like, there's no J Fashion podcast, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, and I was like so glad you came to me because I was just like, oh, I always wanted to do a podcast because I love podcasts. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> I think it's awesome to be able to be like, okay, this doesn't exist. This this thing that I want to exist, it doesn't exist yet. So, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it myself. Then it will exist. For me, it's kind of the same thing. Like, it doesn't exist, so I wanted to start doing it. And it's funny because after I had started doing it, I've noticed other people that are also doing the same thing, but... Everybody has their own spin on it. So even if there are 40 other kawaii girl rappers, it's like everybody has their own spin on it. For me, like, I was into J-pop and idol music. And I know there are a lot of J-pop fans out there who also like hip-hop. So I think my music would be good for somebody like that. Or maybe somebody who likes hip-hop, maybe just got into anime or fashion, J-fashion, and wants music to go with their getting ready playlist or something. And hopefully one of my songs can be in there. But yeah, I feel like incorporating the alternative fashion choices in the lyrics definitely paint a better picture, which is something that I like doing with my songs. Like, whenever I hear a certain song, I can see the sparkles, I can see pink, I can see Hello Kitty, and that's definitely something that I want to do with my lyrics. Mainstream music doesn't have a lot of that individuality, but whenever you hear a lot of indie artists, Little Peep 2 was somebody I really liked because he kind of painted a picture, like, you can obviously tell he was very inspired by emo and rock music back in the day, and so he put his own twist on it and made his own little genre, so that's kind of like what I want to do, and if people who dress in Yadu happen to like my music, that's awesome. I love that you guys are, like, doing this and making this music because, like, first of all, I wanted to hear it even, like, a visual representation of, like, my brand because I was just like, oh, yeah, I like Y2K, and then but I like Decora, and I like hip-hop, but, you know, I also like kind of, like, cutesy sounds, and though I tried to deny it earlier on in my life, I love, like, strong female characters <laughs> and, like, people... I don't know. I guess I just thought like, no, I'm fair and equal. I like guys too who do things, but turns out I don't. They're bad. <laughs> turns out they were the villains the whole time. No, okay. Afro Shoujo mentioned Nicki Minaj earlier, but that's, and the first time I saw her when I was like 13 or something, I was amazed because she was so cute. And I feel like that's, there was just something, I saw her in the video for Bedrock. So she had like the pink streak yes. and she was wearing, I think, like and a pink top. Yes. Yeah. And the facial expressions were so crazy. And she was so cute. And the way that she's like spoke was so cute, like super like girl, like very high pitched kawaii type voice. Like, right. okay, it's my turn. You know, like that's so. And so I was like, oh my God, she's so cute. But at the same time, she's like, she's a bad bitch. So mix those two together and I think that's something awesome but I think that I mean back then I feel like there was nothing like that so 
That's why she stood out so much. Now I think we're getting we're getting better with not putting women into a box as much, hopefully. It's really heartwarming to hear that like there are people who are finding themselves in your music because, you know, growing up that's what we needed. Pro- like I know for myself, I didn't see anyone like me growing up, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so weird, and nobody gets me, and uh, I'm, I'm an emo little kid now because my life sucks. <laughs> but now that there is so much accessibility to people who are like us, finding that community is so much easier, and it's a lot of comfort to know that uh, there are people like us out there who are doing what they do and doing what they love, and making it part of who they are and just being that uh role model Uh, i know that's a bit of a bit of a loaded word but (laughs) being that person that someone else can look up to and before we sign off for this episode where can our listeners find you whether it's on instagram on your personal websites your merch pages where are you what are the best ways to find you my instagram is my i'm an instagram queen that is my garden and my place go to my instagram go to the link in my bio everything's gonna be there but if you search afro shell gel no matter where you are on the internet i will come up that's any streaming service my still my merch store is through Etsy, so you know go on Etsy to type in if you type in Magical Girl, I'll probably come up there. Um, but yeah, um, I am wherever you are. At least I try to be. <laughs> so I feel like Instagram is a good way to get a hold of my aesthetic because you know pink is just all pink. My name on every social media platform is it's Pinky, so I T S P I N K I I, Pinky with two eyes. And you can also find me on YouTube if you type in Pinky or Natalia Natchan. That was like my YouTuber name in Japan. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I have a Twitch where I do streams regularly, like twice a week or more. And that's also what's Pinky. I have a TikTok. TikTok is a good one too. But only go there if, you know, you don't have a week card or anything. And then you can find any of my music on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. You know, the drill, Pinky with two eyes, P-I-N-K-I-I. Wonderful. And without further ado, thank you so much, Mary and Pinky, for joining us for this episode and chatting with us about your music and your fashion stylings. It was a wonderful conversation, and we greatly appreciate you taking your time out of your day. And with that, this has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And? And I'm Afro Shoujo. And I'm Pinky. Oh, yeah. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs>